Hello and welcome to this podcast on building supply chain resilience in the food and beverage industry brought to you by 4C Associates. 4C Associates are a leading commercial supply chain and operations consultancy that harnesses the power of people and collaboration to build transformative solutions that create sustainable impact for our clients and society. This is the first in a two-part special which we'll be producing focused on food and beverage supply chains. I'm Katie Gallagher, Director and Head of Consumer Products at 4C, and I'm joined today by my colleague Gopal Ayer, who is Head of our Supply Chain Practice. Hello. I'm going to be interviewing Gopal on the topic of building supply chain resilience, one of the key challenges and also opportunities we're seeing for clients in this industry. So let's start with the basics. When we talk about supply chain resilience, what do we mean? Gopal, how do you define it? A very interesting question, Katie. Supply chain resilience is typically defined as an organization's ability to sense the changes in its environment, to adapt to those changes, to make sure that the supply chain can endure those changes in the ways of working, and last but not the least, to pivot back into a situation where they can still achieve their strategic implications. Now, looking at resilience management by itself might not mean a lot, but when you start putting it along with some of the other components that need to come across the entire resilience transformation bed are things like the risk management, which should involve things like mapping, measuring, and managing your risks, and also the transformation, which would not be possible unless and until you bring your people, process, and technology together around with governance. I think in all together, this essence would form the right notion for resilience management. And, and what are the consequences for companies if they don't have this resilience? Why is it so important for food and beverage companies in particular? I think... In order to answer this question, it's important to uh, just have a look at what has happened over the last five or six years, just to put things in perspective. We had a pandemic. The whole world came out of it in one way or the other. We had a war which is going on in uh, Eastern Europe. We had a ship which was stuck in the Suez. And we had a lot of other small events which happened around the world, which, which were not even reported into the, into the general media. And as a result, the supply chains have been impacted from end-to-end perspective. We have had impacts on the supplier side of things. We have had issues like uh, the crop growers in Ukraine and Russia not being able to deliver the crops to the downstream supply chains. We have had the transport links being disrupted because of uh, ships not arriving on time, because of the drivers and warehouse operators not available to work and just not enough of them. And at the same time, we have had the customer demands which have been dwindling, not just from the perspective of what and where they need to buy or they want to buy, but also how they want to buy, as in the channel are they considering to buy. Would they want to go online or would they want to go to traditional uh, store setup? And I think all these elements together have had a huge impact on an organization's or a supply chain's ability to respond and keep operating profitably and efficiently. And hence, having a sheer focus on improving resilience across the entire supply chain becomes of utmost importance. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And when you think about food and beverage companies in particular, they do tend to have fairly complex global supply chains. They'll be reliant on multiple suppliers who may be feeding in from various different locations, onshore, nearshore, offshore, that all needs to be managed and that all feeds into the complexities of the supply chain. And that complexity of supply chain makes it even harder to build in the resilience. And I think you also have to look at it from a customer perspective. This is a very competitive industry. And if you're struggling with your supply chain and your product is not available and not on the shelf, then consumers will pick your competitors. They'll pick an own brand. They'll make another decision. 
and they may stick with that decision. So consumers are demanding a lot more and they can be quite fickle with that demand unless you've done a really, really good job at building that brand loyalty. And I think the other thing that really resonates with me is, you know, you mentioned around the crops. Climate change is another of those black swan events, uncertainties, which is having massive impact for this industry. And one storm, one heat wave, one flood, and suddenly you've got a massive, massive impact on a potential company's supply chain that needs to be addressed through some kind of resilience, some kind of, as you said, kind of adapting and enduring and pivoting. And uh, do not forget that a lot of the suppliers into the food and beverage companies are also supplying the competitors and the other companies and other tiered manufacturers that might come into play. So it's not like just that your supply chain is going to get impacted. It's the entire industry which is going to get shook up by not having the right amount of resilience built in. Yeah, and the amount of compliance and regulation and you know food safety, for example, it's not that easy to switch supply because yeah. you have to make sure if you're switching to another supplier, they've been audited, they've got the right levels of, of regulation and standards in place. So if they fail or if they are going through a challenge and you can't get from them, it's not that easy, nor is it that quick to switch supply. Now, we've done a lot of work with companies to support them in their supply chain resilience. What are the types of activities that businesses can undertake to mitigate these risks and to better build resilience into their supply chain? Now, thanks, Katie. That's a good question. In order to help companies uh, develop and move on this journey of improving resilience, I think they need to operate it in three different parts of the journey. You've got the immediate focus, which we see about the first few months of our engagements, where the focus is understanding the strengths and weaknesses across the supply chain to understand where the key gaps and priorities should be. Once we have that, then we need to start looking at something that you would term as the medium-term focus, which potentially goes about six to nine-month journey, where the focus kind of moves into testing and designing resilience capabilities and delivering initiatives with immediate benefits. So you would start seeing things like digital twins being made up. You would start th- seeing things like immediate contract performances being looked at, not just from a risk management perspective, but also what are the fallback options? What happens if something the critical elements actually go wrong in that particular contract. Are we still in a position to keep delivering the supply chain as it should be? And last but definitely not the least, the long-term focus, which goes for the next 12 to 15 months and beyond, where we look at building and standardizing the resilience capabilities, which, as you would understand, would come from the medium-term focus outputs, and also preparing for the ongoing management of resilience across the chain, which would take into cognizance things like, do they have the right people, processes, and capabilities to make sure that things to stick up are the governance systems in in a sound shape so that uh, any changes or any issues or concerns can be picked up at the right time and can be built upon that so in essence this is a high level program action that we have seen that has worked very well with some of our clients now just picking an example from a couple of plants that we have worked on before which could be interesting for the audience we were working with a frozen food manufacture frozen food uh, company, one of our long-term clients. And we have helped them across their end-to-end supply chain from the point when they're buying the chicken, the protein, fish, etc., etc., from across the different parts of the world uh, to the point where they are moving all the stuff across to their factories, mainly in Europe, producing it and then delivering to the stores, the customers, uh, the retail outlets, and so on and so forth. And just for the sake that we had been able to get involved across their end-to-end chain, we looked into their planning and contracting bit. 
where we looked into what exactly the product is, how exactly the products are being produced, what are the ingredients, are they being planned for resilience, and are the suppliers in the position to keep supplying if something goes wrong. We were able to look at how things were being bought. They were moved across the world. So looking at not just from the Incoterm's point of view of how risk is being managed, but also looking at uh, alternate modes of transport, looking at how that's going to impact, what are the lead time impacts of such initiatives, which might be taken into perspective. Uh, Looking at flexible manufacturing and automation wherever it's possible. But at the same time, also looking at uh, how the downstream distribution comes into play. Is it an opportunity for them to collaborate not just with their suppliers, but also with their competitors? Now, that's a big strategic question, which is always there. But then again, the need is to understand that where exactly the supply chain might fail. And in many cases, some of the pressures that are coming through from downstream about how much product needs to be moved and what is the cost impact of that particular stream. I think it becomes important for companies to start looking at parameters that what other modes of collaboration might be an important kind of way to kind of go and uh, deliver uh, the resilience that they need to. At the same time, looking at the operational management across the stream from end-to-end perspective, understanding where exactly things might go wrong, uh, continuously testing the supply chain through its limits, making sure that the right digital twin is available to understand the different scenarios which can be tested out, becomes an interesting and important concept across the stream. And that definitely yields to a supply chain which is definitely more profitable, efficient and sustainable in the way it operates. Yeah, I think your collaboration point is is so crucial, isn't it? You know, a, a lot of the supply chain resilience activities that can, companies can undertake, it links to visibility. So if you want to have a resilient supply chain, you have to be really aware of what your supply chain looks like, what the flows are, and what your potential pain points could be. And having that visibility doesn't just require you to look within your own internal organisation. You need to be collaborating with all of your supply chain partners and your suppliers to have that visibility to make sure that you're being really open and honest about where there might be those pain points. You know, making sure you've got a really clear view on to what's the right inventory levels and where in your supply chain should that inventory sit. What are your different modes and what are the risks associated with those? And do you have backups? How do you work with your suppliers, not against them, to make sure that you've got a really resilient supply chain? Great, great points, Katie. And another thing which needs to be taken into consideration is so just building onto your point of inventory there. Many times companies end up deploying certain resilience levers, which might look good at that point in time for that particular scope. But its impact across the upstream and downstream supply chain is in many cases than not. It's actually just uh, missed out. Like, for example, inventory classic example last three to four years because of all the disruptions one of the easiest way people could have made sure that the customer service levels are maintained is by managing a higher inventory level which is very logical but then at the same time at this point in time we have so much of inventory of wrong products at the wrong place and the wrong quality across the global supply chain that it has become a difficult scenario for companies to free up their working capital now it was a very good solution a couple of years ago but today with the change in the demand structure and the way things are it has become one of the problems which uh, companies are really trying to get over at the same time we had situations with the suez where when when the boat was stuck it was uh, many other companies which were just about to leave singapore realized that by going around the horn of africa might be a better way for them to serve their customers in on the east coast of of the us and that became a very good way of making sure that a flexibility element was pulled up and definitely it had a bit of a cost impact 
on that or that particular point in time but the companies were able to make sure that the customer service levels were met at the right time in the right space and there are there are so many examples today that certain factories uh, suddenly going offline because of some like the weather challenges that you had mentioned and do companies do they have the flexible manufacturing capacities to drive the product home that's one question people are talking about moving away from china and far east for some of their packaging materials for the food and beverage companies which are coming in from there but making sure that they have that flexible manufacturing elsewhere globally which can provide them with the similar packaging requirements i think that becomes a very interesting question to look into and all these questions would together come across and ask and pose a very strong point when it comes to answering a question of resilience Thanks Gopal. So, question for me on that then. Can you have a truly resilient supply chain that doesn't add extra cost in? That is one of those interesting questions that everybody is trying to answer. And the answer is depends how you look at the costs on the supply chain. Now, it is important to consider cost because uh, whatever value, whatever lever that you uh, deploy for for increasing supply chain resilience, you definitely have an impact on your cost. But I think you need to compare that cost with the with the loss in sales or loss in revenue durability or inability to serve the customers and manage the suppliers actually will bring in. So it's important to consider the end to end cost to serve rather than just looking at functional cost or an operational cost. if we are able to look at from that perspective then one could find that having a resilient supply chain definitely makes a much more profitable supply chain because you would be doing the right things for the right reasons you would be wasting less so there would be less resources lost from the network that would in fact have much lesser impact on some of the other supply chain levers which would add indirect cost to your supply chain so in short I think it comes back to the point about how you're measuring your costs and are you able to have a true picture of your true cost to serve in order to make that uh, comparison. If not, if you're just going to be looking at the functional and operational cost, then it would be difficult to say that a resilient supply chain is going to save money straight away. But in the long run, it definitely saves. Thanks, Gopal. So I think to summarize what we've discussed today, A resilient supply chain is one where you can sense, you can adapt, you can endure and you can pivot. The last 5 or 6 years we've seen more disruptions than I think any of us could have imagined. And so the companies that do well here have got that risk management approach in place. They've considered the upstream, the midstream, the downstream. They've managed and worked closely with their suppliers to make sure they've got the visibility and they've built in flexibility where they need it to make sure that they can meet the consumer demands now and in future. And as to the question of whether a resilient supply chain can be a cost-effective one, well, it might cost more, but it's going to cost a lot less than not having your products on shelves. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. But if you'd like to discuss further anything you've heard, then please get in touch with myself or GoPal, or to find out more about Forsee, our services, and where we've helped clients do this in the past, head to our website forseeassociates.com. Tune in next time to our part 2 on food and beverage supply chains where we'll be talking about the seemingly competing demands for both profitability and sustainability and the levers that might be available to help achieve both. Can't wait, definitely not one to miss. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.